This recording was produced by Green Lane Masjid. For more information on the activities and services the mosque provides, please visit www.greenlanemasjid.org. Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Alik yawmiddin. Allahumma laka alhamdu wa ilayka al-mushtaka wa bika thiqatu wa alayka tuklanu wa la hawla wa la quwwata illa billahi alayhi al-azim. Rabbi shrah li sadri wa yassir li amri wa hul'uqata min lisani yafqahu qawli Allahumma la sahli la ma ja'altahu sahla wa anta taj'alul hazna ila shi'ida sahla Allahumma salli wa sallim ala sayyidina wa habibina muhammadin wa ala alihi wa ashabihi wa man ihtada bihadihi wa astanna bi sunnatihi wa da'a bi da'watihi ila yawmi ddin Inshallah ta'ala we are now going to start continuing where we left off with the tafsir of Surah Al-Baqarah and we stopped at ayah number 191 or 190 Naam, 190 As we go through the ayat We will go through some of the ayat of hajj that we covered Because we covered them during Dhul-Hijjah But that will be just an overview Because we already discussed them in depth uh, in our uh, tafsir of Ayatul Hajj program in Dhul Hijjah. Tayyip. So, <clears throat> we're still in Surah Al Baqarah, and I mentioned several times that Surah Al Baqarah, there are a lot of ahkam and rulings in it. And when we are talking about the ahkam and the rulings, they start towards the, uh, um, the second, in the second juz. So, all of the first juz, or close to that, was all about the Banu Israel, stories of the past, what it means to be a worshipper of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, almost prepping you, now that you've learned how to be a servant of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, here are the commandments, right? And there is a reason why this surah is called Surah Al-Baqarah, this, the story of the cow, what is the moral of that story, what is the lesson behind that story, Banu Israel refused or some of Israel, refused to obey Prophet Musa when he instructed them or commanded them. And he had to say to them, Do as you are being commanded. And rather than do that, they kept on asking questions and pestering him, and they refused to submit. Now that you're being told, do hajj, right? You're being told um, fast, like the ayat of fasting, all of this. What should you always remember? Do as you are being told and as you are being commanded. Now the other thing that we have to remember is that the ibadat and the acts of worship are not meant to be easy. They're not meant to be easy. They're also not meant to be a burden. Allah will never burden us with more that we can do. But the, there is also not a promise that worshiping Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is going to be like eating pie. Right? It's not, it's not meant. So you, you have to wake up for Fajr. You have to come to the masjid. You have to wear hijab maybe in the heat. Right? You have to go to Hajj. You have to pay. There is some difficulty that comes to it. But that's the whole point because Allah rewards you for it. And what is the whole point of your ibadah to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? It is to prove your servitude and submission to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. No matter what Allah asks of me, I will do it. Which is why... To prep you to become the best worshipper possible You've been told about your purpose 
You've been told about your origin, the story of Adam. You've been told about a whole nation that got it wrong, the Banu Israel. Then Allah gave you the example of one of the best worshippers that Allah created, Prophet Ibrahim salam. And there's a whole chapter, a whole uh, pages dedicated to Prophet Ibrahim to show you, look at the one of the best people submit to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. No matter what was asked of him, he would deliver. And Allah says, um, uh, when Allah talked about him, uh, Allah tested him with the commandments, فَأَتَمَّهُنَّ and he completes all of them. So he passed with flying, why am I mentioning this? Because one might face difficulty with fasting, doesn't matter you still have to fast. You might find hajj difficult, doesn't matter you still have to go to hajj. And here, today, we're going to start to speak about the ayat that are speaking about qital, fighting. Fighting. Right? And you will find many of the ayat, some of the ayat in Surah Baqarah are dedicated to the rulings related to fighting for the sake of Allah. Right? And when the Sahaba were commanded to do so. And that that is one of the most difficult acts of worship to do because you're being asked to put your life on the line. And even then, even then, it is an act of submission to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. طيب يقول الله عز وجل وقاتلوا في سبيل الله الذين يقاتلونكم ولا تعتدوا إن الله لا يحب المعتدين الله سبحانه وتعالى said وقاتلوا في سبيل الله and fight in the way of Allah سبحانه وتعالى Allah in this ayah will command the believers to fight and will explain why and what was the context behind it Allah will then teach them who to fight And who not to fight Allah will then mention rules and ethics As it relates to fighting Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will talk about Places where they can't fight So in the following ayat You're going to be learning a lot of that inshallah ta'ala. Tayyib. Allah says وَقَاتِلُوا فِي سَبِيلِ اللَّهِ Fight in the way of Allah What does it mean to fight fi سَبِيلِ اللَّهِ This is the word you heard a lot Give sadaqah fi sabili Allah, right? Um, you, you have uh, now jihad fi sabili Allah, fighting in the way of Allah. What does that mean? It means that whatever you are doing, the act of worship you are doing, you're not doing it for worldly gains. You're not doing it for other reasons. You're only doing it for Allah. Allah to reward you. Allah to bless you in servitude and in worship of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So whether the Prophet was at Badr, or they were at Uhud, or the Muslims were in any other battle in history, that was jihad fi sabirillah, then to be rewarded for that, you had to have been doing it for the sake of Allah. In another ayah Allah mentions, لِكَكُونَ كَلِمَةُ اللَّهِ هِيَ الْعُلِيَا For Allah's speech, and Allah's word, and Allah's religion, to be al-uliya, to be the most high. Right? This is why you're doing it. You're doing it for the deen of Allah, not for your own personal and worldly gains. And here you learn something very important. Muslims are not allowed to be engaged in any type of fighting if it doesn't serve Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. They're not allowed to do it for worldly gains, for grabbing land, for economy, for this, that, or the other, for just transgressing. This is not the way of the Muslims. And also, the other thing that you learn here is that Islam is not pacifist. It's not a pacifist religion. right? And this is why some people, they confuse. They, they, they would assume that when... You, you, you often hear Islam is a religion of peace Islam is a religion of peace 
right? And then some, some, you have that statement, and then you will read the Quran, and you will find the Prophet ﷺ being told uh, to fight, when to fight, how to fight, how not to fight, the rules of engagement in war. The Quran speaks a lot about that, not just about the Prophet, but even the people in the past. You'll find uh, the, uh, the time of Bani Israel, right? Talut and Jalut, and all of these stories of people that were engaged in, in fighting and in wars. So, how do you reconcile that with the statement that Islam is a religion of, of peace? Someone can ask you that, right? And there's several ways of answering this. One, peace does not mean pacifism, right? Sometimes to get peace you need to fight, right? So, the idea that it, it, peace means never, to, this is not the case. Second thing is, right, Islam is a religion of justice, and justice sometimes may require that justice to be enforced, right? So this is also a mentality that we have to understand, right? This is why there are police. This is why most countries have armies. They have, they have this is to protect, to, uh, uh, th- there are many functions of, of fighting and never, and the problem is never has a prophet or in Islam or in the Quran, we've been told Islam is so a religion that never ever allows you to fight ever. No. Right? So if someone punches you or pushes you, Islam Allah doesn't tell you you have to walk away. That's not Islam. You can walk away and you probably get rewarded for it. And this is why I mentioned this uh, when we were speaking about the ahkam of retribution. When someone commits a crime, when someone commits a crime uh, uh, and hurts someone else, what does Islam say? And you mentioned you will find the balance and the wasatiya, the middle path of Islam, because you have an eye for an eye, which also mentioned in the Quran by an eye for an eye, uh, which represents the Torah, and turn the other cheek, which represents the, the Christian uh, and traditions, right? Islam is not an eye for an eye, nor turn the other cheek, it gives you the option. And that is justice. The option of forgiveness is there, so retribution is not always necessary. But the option of justice is also there, right? So this is why if someone kills someone else, they have the, 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 that person, the murderer, may be executed, may be forgiven, may pay blood money, all the options are on the table, and the person that decides those options is the person whom, uh, the, is the family of the one that got killed. Whereas maybe in, in the uh, Mosaic law, if that is the case, I mean, Allahu what the reality was, it would maybe be just retribution, and you will find that maybe some, some of the Christians would say, no, 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 forgiveness is the only way, turn the other cheek. And what do we say? Islam is wasat, it gives the option of forgiveness, but also the option of justice. And this shows you the wasati of Islam. And the other thing, ikhwani fillah, to remember, is that the idea that Islam is peace, comes from the understanding that Islam comes from salam. We say, as-salamu, Alaykum, peace be upon you. And we want peace for everyone. And the best peace you can have is peace in the hereafter. Right? And peace in your heart by, by the members of Allah and knowing your purpose. So true peace and tranquility comes from revelation. Right? And we need to spread that revelation to the people. But Islam actually means, who can tell me? What does Islam mean? Muhsin? Submission. And through that submission, what do you gain? You gain? You gain peace. So, Islam is submitting to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And through that submission, you will attain peace in this world and 
in the world to come right alladhina amanu wa lam yalbisu imanahum bidhulm ulaika lahumul amnu wa hum muhtadun those who have faith those who have iman and they do not mix their iman with any kufr or shirk allah said ulaika lahumul amnu and they will have peace wa hum muhtadun and they will be guided they will have peace in this world and they will have security in this world and Allah will keep them secure from sin from transgression from bid'ah from all of that once you have true faith and Allah will also keep you safe from harm and then Allah will keep you safe in the hereafter from the hellfire so the peace that is within Islam is gained through submission and you have to explain like that to the people that want to learn about Islam you have to tell them Islam is about submission because when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says if you're wondering for example why did Ibrahim alayhi salam enjoy that high rank why is he Khalil of Allah why is he the first to be clothed on the day of judgment right did you guys know that the first to be clothed on the judgment is Prophet Ibrahim alayhi salam right now why did he why is he so highly regarded by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? Allah says in the Quran, Walaqad istafayna hufid dunya wa innahu fil akhirati la mina salihin and we have chosen Ibrahim in this world and in the hereafter he's among the righteous. What's so special about him? Allah said, Idaqala lahu rabbuhu aslim. When his Lord said to him, Aslim, submit, be a Muslim. So Islam is submit. What did he say? I submit myself to the Lord of the worlds. So that's what Islam is. You completely, in other words, Allah gives you the free will to, and me and Ziyad had a discussion today about Qadr, which is why he's smiling and I'm smiling. Khair. Allah gives you the free will to choose right from wrong, and then you choose to do right every time that you can as an act of submission to your Lord. Right? As an act of submission to your Lord. Tayyip. So, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, uh, So this is what Islam is So Islam is peace but you gain it through submission And part of that submission is to submit to Allah When he asks you to worship him in different ways And from those acts of worship Is fighting in the way of Allah Now let's put that in the context of our beloved Beloved Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam In the beginning years of Mecca And it's important that we provide this context right In the beginning years of Mecca The sahaba were not allowed to push back or fight back they were told to have patience. When they were tortured, when they were abused, when they were persecuted, they were told to have patience. And you'll find the ayats that speak about that. Allah says, ahsan." Right? Respond with that which is better. Right? Avoid them, abandon them, stay away from them. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions ayats such as, anhum, Forgive them, let it go. This was, the, this was the commandments that were being given to the companions. So, they would stone them, they would beat them. They would kill some of them. Yet, what was the commandment? Have, have patience. This lasted for a decade and even more. When they were robbed, when they were stolen from, when they were beaten, when they were hurt, finally Allah said in Surah Al-Hajj, and the scholars, they differ over whether the ayah that I'm about to recite in Surah Al-Hajj or the ayah in Surah Al-Baqarah night that we're doing now, which one came down first? To finally give permission for the believers For so many years they were being oppressed To finally fight back To finally what? Fight back So in Surah Al-Hajj Allah says Udina لِلَّذِينَ يُقَاتِلُونَ بِأَنَّهُمْ ظُلِمُوا وَإِنَ اللَّهُ عَلَى نَصْرِهِمْ لَقَدِيرٌ It has been permitted For those that have been fought against Right? And have been oppressed 
to, to fight back, right? And Allah is able to provide them with victory. So they were finally given permission. When they are being given permission, they are all doing Medina, right? They are all in Medina, and they've been given permission. So that means after that point onwards, you are, you can defend yourself, you can fight back, you can do a pre-empty attack even if that is what is useful for the Muslims, right? Because you are in a state of war. And there's no clear evidence that the Muslims were in a perpetual state of war back then because who can tell me how many times just Medina was attacked? They came in Uhud to attack it. Then they came again in Ahzab to attack it, right? And they made a coalition. So the Muslims being told by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala now it's time to fight back makes perfect sense. Makes perfect sense. Now, it also teaches us that among the tools to utilize is to defend yourself and to attack when necessary. All of this within the context of the ayah that we're about to recite. Okay? طيب. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَقَاتِلُوا فِي سَبِيلِ اللَّهِ Fight in the way of Allah. In other words, for no other reason can you fight. And the Prophet ﷺ one time was asked, what is the ruling of the one who fights because he is brave and strong? Or the one that is fighting because he wants to gain the, um, the uh, spoils of war? Will they be rewarded? And the Prophet ﷺ said, no, only the one that fights for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So that's it. So this sets your mind straight why you should be fighting. طيب. Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, who do you fight? Alladina yuqatilunakum. Those who are constantly fighting you. Alladina yuqatilunakum. What is meant by this? There will be people that are not fighting you, but are on the other side. Women. Elderly, people that want to be peaceful, that are not involved in the fighting. Are you allowed to transgress upon them? No. And these were clear instructions given by Rasulullah and even by Abu Bakr as well when he would send uh, armies that do not hurt a woman, do not hurt a child, an elderly person, al akabir anyone that is in a kanisa or a uh, ma'bad, anyone that is in a temple of worship. Do not fight them. Do not do anything to leave them alone. So who's left? Who's left if all of you are being alone? Combatants. Combatants. So any war efforts were directed towards who? The people that actually have arms, the combatants. Does that make sense? This is another. So from this ayah, Allah says, وَقَاتِلُوا fight. Why? For the sake of Allah. Who? Those that are fighting you. Then you are told again, even when you're fighting against those that are fighting you, وَلَا تَعْتَدُوا Do not transgress. وَلَا تَعْتَدُوا Do not transgress. إِنَّ اللَّهَ لَا يُحِبُّ الْمُعْتَدِينَ Indeed, Allah does not love those who transgress and oppress. So you're not even allowed to go beyond what needs to be done. And this, this here teaches you, again, it is not about... Um, body counts It is not about harming It is not about You know it's, it's, it's about What's best for Islam and Muslims What's best for Islam and Muslims What Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants Right? This is what it's about And this is why Allah limited us with so many rules Right? There are times Next I will tell you Don't fight in these times Don't fight in this place Don't fight these people There's a lot of don'ts there Right? A lot of limitations there. Yeah, I wish that today people in the world limited themselves. Those that are engaged in wars would limit themselves in the way Allah is trying to limit the believers. Right? Tayyib. 
Um, fight in the way of Allah I might as well expand more upon the concept of qital and jihad right so qital is to fight jihad is to struggle in the way of Allah and it usually means also fighting but it can mean other things so jihad has uh, four four types of jihad you have jihad and nafs when you are fighting or struggling against your own self right and this is really important mujahadatul nafs because our nafs is pushing us Towards sin And we have to Feel ourselves back and Then you have Jihad al-Shaytan The jihad against the devil The shaytan Who is influencing you You need to keep your adhkaras up You need to say A'udhu billahi min shaytan rajim You need to learn about The way shaytan influences you And you need to Stop that from happening Those two Then you have Jihad al-Munafiqeen The jihad against the hypocrites And the munafiqeen Which is Which is By speaking out against them And why is that? Why is that? Because what is a munafiq? What is a hypocrite? Someone that claims to be a Muslim while in his heart is not a Muslim and a believer. Why would those people exist? Why would they exist? Why would you have someone purposely be a munafiq? What would be the benefit of that? Who can tell me? Why not just declare that you're a kafir? What is the utility in being a munafiq? Why would they do that? Yes, Akbar. So, so sometimes it would be about harming the Muslims. So the spies, for example, during the times of Prophet So that's one reason. What is another, what is another reason? Yeah, a circle could be that there's a time where the Muslims are a dominant force and you're hiding your, your disbelief. Yes, but you're actually a, a disbeliever pretending to be a believer. This is what munafiq means, by the way. A lot of people, munafiq is someone Someone that proclaims Islam but hides kufr. Now why are they a problem? Often you will find that their messagings And some of the scholars in the past used to call them zanadiqah It is usually um, hard to suss them out But they are always in the community And sometimes they are, can be very harmful when they are in the community Because they are probably spreading a false or a bad message Which is why it must be counted with a message It must be counted with a message Right? And this is why uh, the ulama they say jihad al-munafiqin bil lisan. When you the jihad against the munafiqin is by speaking out. For example, it might be someone that's claiming to be Muslim, but then literally everything they stand for, call for, uh, propagate is anti-Islamic. And you'll find some such people like that, right? The name is Muhammad, her name is Fatima, but everything else about them pure kufriyat, right? Calling towards all other things that Islam is haram. To the point you scratch your head and thinking like, what's so? Muslim about this person, right? Now we don't excommunicate people from Islam uh, Unless we have clear evidences for it But what is the point I'm trying to make? This kind of person The way you counter them Is by countering their message Right? Among the things that they did Among the things that they did During the time of the Prophet was Like Allah mentioned Surah Ali Imran Aminu, uh, uh, What was it? Uh, they said uh, Have faith النهاري, in the beginning of the day آخره, And then disbelief in the, in the evening So that they may come back So they would enter into Islam And then leave and say Yeah it's not for me It's not working for me They would do that during the time of the Sahaba Some people would just say You know what Let's all get into Islam Pretend to be Muslims And then get out And we'll take some with us Right Because this is causing uh, Damage to, to, to the message Right These type of people must be counted with a message, right? And da'wah. The Prophet ﷺ knew about many hypocrites in his ranks. Some he knew about name by name, others he didn't know about. Like Allah mentioned in Surah Tawbah, 
Right? Some you know, some you don't know. Now, the Prophet ﷺ was once told, well, at least the ones you know, they are literally harming Islam. Why would the Prophet ﷺ not get rid of them? Why would you execute these people that were treasonous against Islam, conspiring against it from the inside, damaging it, damaging the da'wah, trying to it? Why would the Prophet ﷺ not get rid of them? But the Prophet ﷺ, the outside world who thinks they are Muslims will think. People will not say to each other Oh Muhammad is killing his own ashab So that was a strategy that did not make sense So the one left is what? Using speech against them So that's the third one Jihad against the munafiqeen The final one is jihad against the kuffar Jihad against the kuffar What does that mean jihad against the kuffar? That means uh, in Generally speaking in Islam We split the kuffar into categories The disbelievers into categories Right? And this category, only one of them do we fight against. And that one category, only one type of that category. Now, what that, let, me, let me break that down. You have kafirun dhimi. You have a dhimi, you have mu'ahad, musta'man, and muharab. Those are the four categories. Three of them you don't touch. You, you, they cannot be touched In fact, killing them, the Prophet ﷺ said, whoever does that, he will not find the, 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 the fragrance of Jannah. Who are those? Any non-Muslim or disbeliever that has a, that lives within the Muslim lands peacefully must be left alone. Are you guys with me? Anyone that does not live in the Muslim lands but came into Muslim lands um, uh, for business or for any other reason, visitations, that is given uh, passage must cannot be touched. Cannot be touched, right? Today will be someone with a visa or passport or whatever the case is, right? That's two types. Anyone whom, we, whom the Muslim world or the Muslim countries have a contract of peace with, a peace treaty with, must be left alone. So if there are peace treaties, and there are uh, people uh, given passage, and people that live in the Muslim, those people cannot be touched. Well, there's one category left, those that are in active, actively uh, a, um, engaged in war against the Muslims. They are active enemies of Islam. Right? Those people are the ones whom the ayat of jihad speak about. And it's very important because you have people that will read these ayat and they're thinking about, I don't know, some random people shopping in Morrison's or whatever. This is a big problem. Right? This is such a big problem when the people misunderstand this. Right? Right? Um, so, once we categorize the disbelievers in those categories, the majority of them are not being talked about here. Who's being talked about? Those that are in active war against? Against the Muslims. And among those, those that are actually combatants. Right. So does that make sense when I said it's a category within a category? Right. Those are the ones whom uh, the Allah says, الَّذِينَ Those that are يُقَاتُلُكُمْ fighting you. Um, so, if we recap, there are four types of jihad. Jihad against the nafs, jihad against shaitan, jihad against the munafiqeen, jihad against the kuffar. Jihad against the nafs is extremely important. This is how we could stay focused on our ibadah and keep track of our nafs because our nafs is pulling us towards haram. Similarly with jihad against the shaitan, you do this by knowing who shaitan is. And subhanAllah, the way Allah describes the devil and shaitan in the Quran, accurately, such descriptions, it should be studied in its own. There should be a course about the shaitan and how he influences people. Because know thy enemy, Correct? Then you have jihad against the munafiqeen, and we spoke about that and what, what they are, 
And that's done through what? Counting the message by speech. And then finally you have the jihad against the kuffar. And then we have to qualify who kuffar are. Or the disbelievers. And you mentioned if they are musta'man, if they are dhimmi, if they are mu'ahad, they are left alone. And if they are muharab, meaning if there's a, they, they are actively, uh, uh, they are actively uh, war against the Muslims and Islam, then the combatants among them will be fought. Another condition would be that any type of war like this must be led by a head of state. We don't have people running around making their own guerrilla groups and then fighting people. They must, this must be led by a head of state, right? And there's one exception, that exception is if you're being attacked in your own home, of course, or you're being attacked in your own village, you don't say like, I'm gonna wait for the head of state to give you permission to protect myself and my family. But other than that, any active military campaign if must be done by a head of state. Does that make sense? Right. This is another condition that many groups today, uh, sects and groups that are extremely misguided, that are killing indiscriminately people that don't deserve it, that are ruining the name of Islam, misapplying and misrepresenting Islam and these ayat. Many of them, you doubt even if they are doing this sincerely, and you doubt their intentions, have ruined and misrepresented what this ibadah is actually about. Right? So these things must be remembered. Anyone that is killing people that don't deserve it, and we mentioned who those would be. Anyone that is doing it, with, uh, uh, um, by themselves and just harming people, this harms more than it than it helps, and this is it caused a lot of harm uh, for the da'wah and for Islam as well. The other thing you have to remember, Ikhwan Fillah, is uh, let's um, let's continue the ayah. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says وَقَاتِلُوا فِي سَبِيلِ اللَّهِ What do we learn from this ayah? وَقَاتِلُوا فِي سَبِيلِ اللَّهِ The reason you fight is for the sake of Allah Who do you fight? الَّذِينَ يُقَاتِلُونَكُمْ Those who are fighting you And then that excludes the children and the women And people that are peaceful And people that are not engaged in battle You leave them alone Right? If you ever find yourself in that situation And then Allah emphasized I was saying وَلَا تَعْتَدُوا Do not transgress Why? إِنَّ اللَّهِ Indeed Allah لَا يُحِبُّ Does not love المعتدين. The last thing you want Is to be someone that Allah does not love May Allah protect us then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said وَاقْتُلُوهُمْ حَيْثُ تَقِفْتُمُوهُمْ وَأَخْرِجُوهُمْ مِنْ حَيْثُ أَخْرَجُوكُمْ وَالْفِتْنَةُ أَشَدُّ مِنَ الْقَتْلِ وَلَا تُقَاتِلُوهُمْ عِنْدَ الْمَسْجِدِ الْحَرَامِ حَتَّى يُقَاتِلُوكُمْ فِيهِ فَإِنْ قَاتَلُوكُمْ فَاقْتُلُوهُمْ كَذَلِكَ جَزَاءُ الْكَافِرِينَ Now with the context that I have clear, given earlier in mind Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says وَاقْتُلُوهُمْ Kill them wherever you encounter them because you are engaged in war you are engaged in war and if you don't then they will kill you as they have done before now imagine the sahaba that are hearing these ayats they are being instructed and it was times and it was kill or be killed they were in times of war and then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and drive them out from where they drove you out from where did they drive them out from? From Mecca. And then Allah saying, drive them out from Mecca. وَالْفِتْنَةُ أَشَدُّ مِنَ الْقَتْلِ And the fitna is more serious than the killing. What is the fitna here referring to? The shirk, the corruption, the Quraysh, who are idolaters being the custodians of the most holiest site, the Kaaba. This, this... 
is more serious than the killing that you will be engaged in whereby either you are killed or they are killed. So, here you learn a very important principle in Islam. The weighing between two bad things and choosing the lesser one. Right. Choosing the lesser one. It's called irtikab akhaf dharrain. Irtikab akhaf dharrain. It is to do the lesser of two evils or to, to the lesser of two things. Ahlahuma mur, kama yuqal. So, you have the killing and being killed and putting yourself in that situation. And then you have leaving Quraysh with the idolatry and their corruption and their abuse and their persecution being in charge of the most holiest site, Mecca. Right. Which cannot be allowed. They must be driven out like they drove out the, the believers. So Allah is saying, well, fitna too, their shirk and their kufr and what they are doing is worse than, than the killing. Baib. Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, there are times, there are a place where you are not allowed to fight in. Just like there are people whom you are allowed to fight, there are places where you are not allowed to fight. وَلَا تُقَاتِلُهُمْ And do not fight them. عِنْدَ الْمَسْجِدِ الْحَرَامِ Near the sacred mosque. So Allah is saying, do not fight them near the sacred mosque. Why? Because the sacred mosque, Masjid al-Haram, is special. It is a special place. Whom Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given sanctity. And among that sanctity is that blood cannot be shed and people are not allowed to be killed and fighting is not allowed to happen there. The Prophet said in a hadith that no one has ever been allowed to engage in war or to fight in the haram ever. Uh, and it was only allowed for me for an hour. And that was during the conquest of Mecca. So the scholars say that this ayah is, is, is uh, this, and this statement of the Prophet ﷺ is uh, rock solid and stands until the end of times. Muslims are never allowed to engage in war in the Haram area. In the Haram area. But there is an exception. Allah says, وَلَا تُقَاتِلُوهُمْ Do not fight them. عِنْدَ الْمَسْجِدِ الْحَرَامِ Near the Haram. حَتَّى يُقَاتِلُوكُمْ فِيهِ um, unless they fight you there So if they start it Then that's different Because then you're defending yourself Does that make sense? So If they fight you Then Then fight them Such is the Such is what the disbelievers Deserve now here Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is teaching the Sahaba and uh, by extension all the other Muslims some rules. Now, now that you've understood that there's a very limited group of people that you should be fighting against to begin with, when that happens, you're meant to be strong, you're meant to be courageous, and you're meant to be brave, and you're meant to be tactful. And these ayahs, they manage all of that. Allah says, kill them wherever you Encounter them Now have, this ayah has been taken out of context By a lot of people right They say like, Imagine someone says um, Muslims are barbaric Because Allah says in the Quran Kill them wherever you find them And someone reads that And they will think Yeah well we're all in danger man uh, These Muslims No matter where they find us Khalas we're, we're dead Right And Anyone that reads Basic Islam Realize that's not the case uh, There were The Prophet ﷺ had a Jewish neighbor Did he not find him Right? 
and there were plenty of people, uh, Sahaba, with, Sahaba with relatives that were not believers, how come they didn't get killed? And Muslims, um, sinister, and this is quite interesting actually, right? You'll find, you'll find in the Muslim world pockets of people who have ancient religions, who have still their religion intact, in, in, in and they haven't changed them. Like the Yazidis have been around for a very long time, and they're all surrounded by Muslims. How come they weren't? How come they still? How come they're still there? Because this is very important. Allah does not want us to kill everyone. <laughs> like I know it sounds, and Allah wants us to save as many people as possible and call them to Islam. How are you going to call them to Islam if they're not alive? It doesn't make sense. The point is da'wah. The point is da'wah. We, you, me, all of us here, our job is to convey the message of Islam. That's what we are meant to do with the rest of the world. The person that thinks that Muslims are here to hurt other people has not understood Islam. We are here to spread the message of Musa and Isa and Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. This is the point, right? And this is what the Prophet was doing and what the Prophet that came before him was doing, right? So, um, there was a point I'm trying to make, subhanAllah, right? So, yeah, the person that thinks that this ayah, kill them wherever you encounter them, is referring to the Sirwun Nasul, the reason of revelation, was speaking to Sahaba that were displaced, prosecuted, killed, and chased away, being told to liberate Mecca and fight against the combatants of Quraysh. And then Allah is instructing them, those people, those criminals, those crooks, those combatants, those enemies, kill them wherever you find them. Wherever you counter them. Because guess what they're going to do if they find you? The same. That is extremely, extremely different from what people would understand from this ayah. Which is why it's extremely important that the Quran is read in its context. In its context. Right? And the Quran should be read within the understanding of the hadith. Although Allah says, kill them wherever you encounter them. Who's them? This is the thing. Oh, the Quran says, kill them. Who's them? That's if anyone ever brings up, ask them, who is them referring to? Is it referring to you and everyone else? No. Very specific group of people. Right? And those that drove you out, drive them out. And then Allah said, indeed, the corruption and the fasad and the shirk is more serious than the killing. And then do not find them in the sacred mosque. And this, is, this shows you again how holy and how sanctified the haram really is. Which is why, my brothers, if you find yourself in the haram, be mindful that it's sacred. Don't argue in it. Don't fight in it. Remember that you're walking on sacred ground. That the Prophet ﷺ and Allah is saying here, even when it comes to fighting against the criminal Quraysh, don't start it, Allah says. So this shows you just how special that the haram really is. Um, however, if they do fight you, then فَقْتُلُوهُمْ Then Allah says, fight them and kill them. كَذَلِكَ جَزَاءُ الْكَافِرِينَ That is the, 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 what they deserve, right? Now, um, Allah then says, فَإِنِ انْتَهُوا If they stop, if they stop the fighting, فَإِنَّ اللَّهَ غَفُورُ الرَّحِيمُ Then God is the most forgiving and merciful. Or, فَإِنِ انْتَهُوا If they stop the disbelief. فَإِنَّ اللَّهَ غَفُورُ الرَّحِيمُ Allah is the most forgiving and merciful. طيب. Um, so, if I were to summarize today's lesson, 
What did you learn? We've learned that there is only one reason that Muslims are told to fight. And what is that? What's the reason for the for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? There shouldn't be any worldly gains and other reasons um, um, motivating you. And then we are told that we fight a very specific group of people. And who are they? The enemy combated our war with, with Muslims. And then we've mentioned that um, Allah mentions do not transgress. What would be an example of transgressing? Transgressing upon the women, the children, the non-combatants, etc. Then we mentioned uh, Allah does not love those who transgress. Uh, we also then spoke about the different types of jihad, and we said there are four types. What were the four types? Jihad against the nafs, jihad against the shaitan, jihad against the munafiqeen, and jihad against the kuffar. And then we mentioned that the kuffar are of four types in this context, are four types. Who can tell me? Even in your own words? People we have a trust with as in uh, treaties. So if there's a treaty, right, and people that have come into our countries and our lands trusting us for business or whatever, or, or trade, uh, business trade is the same, or education, whatever the case is. And then you have people that we have treaties with, and then we have, we have people that live in the lands of the Muslims, right? Um, now, the opposite works as well. If Muslims live in the lands of, of people that aren't Muslim, then the same rule applies. Because you being here is a treaty of peace, that you're going to live here peacefully and be part of society in a peaceful manner, then you must uphold that contract because Muslims uphold their contracts. Does that make sense? Not to mention the rights of the non-believers upon us is for us to call them to Islam and show them the best character. Does that make sense, everyone? Tayyip, then we mentioned that we're not allowed to fight in the haram unless what? Unless... Unless you're being attacked, which is the exception. Other than that, this, the, the, the haram area is considered what? Sacred ground. Tayyib. Barakallahu feekum. I am going to conclude the lesson here, inshallah ta'ala. I think Isha is close. Barakallahu feekum hadha wa akhru da'wana anilhamdulillahi rabbil alameen. Are there any, any questions? Naam akbar. Guidelines for self-defense. So you are allowed to defend yourself if someone attacks you in Islam, right? And in fact, you're meant to uh, defend yourself. Uh, if you can, you're not. We are not meant to allow others to oppress us. And this doesn't only mean physically. You're not meant to allow others to oppress you emotionally, or oppress you in your relationships, oppress you in in any way in in work. You're meant to stand up for yourself. The Muslim is qawi. You don't accept others to push you around. This is not the way of the Muslim. But you are also just. And you respond in the best way possible. So sometimes that may mean walking away. But sometimes that may mean walking away. Especially if, um, if you have the ability to strike back, to push back. And you choose to walk away. This is commendable. Um, as long as that is not a trademark of yours where you're allowing others to walk all over you, that would not be commendable. But other than that, it's commendable. If you, however, choose to retaliate, 
then you ha- you're not allowed to transgress ever in Islam. So, if someone pushed you, you can't hit them with a baseball bat. Like, you can't do that, would not be allowed. Why? Because that's not like for like. Then you went overboard, and what did Allah say? وَلَا تَعْتَدُوا Do not transgress. Allah does not love those who transgress. So you're not allowed to do that. Right? Allah says, وَإِنْ عَاقَبْتُمْ فَعَاقِبُوا بِمِثْلِ مَا عُقِبْتُمْ بِهِ So if someone does does you wrong, then you do like for like, you do the same, right? He pushes you, you can push him back. Right? But you can't go overboard. Um, this is something that you have to keep in mind. And then even then, for example, if you find yourself in an altercation, again, the best thing to do is uh, stay yourself out of harm's way. Call the police if you can, of course. I don't have to tell you guys this, right? Um, self-preservation is really important. Do not think that you can take on five people. Akbar, you can't. You're <laughs> right? So you have to be smart about how you conduct yourself, how you behave yourself. And also... Um, you, uh, you have to control yourself, right? Do not harm someone more, but, but defend yourself. If, if it comes to defend yourself, and then the moment you feel like you can walk away or run away, there's no shame, shame in that as well. Uh, there's a point I'm trying to make, Allahumma'ala'ala'ala'ala'ala'ala'ala'ala'ala'ala'ala'ala'ala'ala'ala'ala'ala'ala'ala'ala'ala'ala'ala'ala'ala'ala'ala'ala'ala'ala'ala'